Hey, everybody. Welcome to Qualitative Reach. Today, we've got Drew Leahy, Hawk Ventures. Uh, Drew is the um, most prescient VC guy I've ever met. I'm honored to have him here. I'm your host, Todd Kreinyak. And uh, Drew, are you around? Are you here? Yeah, what's going on? Thanks for having hey, me. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. So, so let's let's get through. Um, we're we're gonna get to your book, and we're gonna get to some of the cool stuff you guys are in. Because every time I talk with you, I learn more. But I want to get through one thing really quickly here. Um, everybody thinks, um, you know, VC guys start rich and just grow richer. I mean, is that is that how it happened for you? I mean, how'd you get your start? How'd you come to you know? How did Hawk come to existence? Yeah. So, uh, you know, most VCs get into the get into the game um, once they've sort of. I should say, a lot of VCs uh, in the past have have done well in investment banking or maybe private equity or you know been able to get a little bit of a chunk of change themselves um, by doing deals and doing good deals. And then when their friend when they come around to their friends to ask for money. They say, oh, well, you've made money and you've done good deals. So, yeah, of course, you know, I want to support you and make some money along the way. Um, but, yeah, most uh, there's a lot of VCs to now today that are starting out. They're operators. They have a pretty interesting thesis that uh, is different than what other VCs are doing. Um, and so I, I partnered with the guys who own and run Hawk Media, uh, which is uh, uh, one of the largest growing digital agencies in the U.S., um, 150 people work at the company. We work with over 500 brands a month. Um, and so I was running their investments, um, their angel investments, and their angel investments were doing really well. So I came to them and I said, hey, guys, why don't we uh, why don't we raise a fund since, you know, most of these operators want us to put in more cash in the deals and they want to listen to us. They want to actually have our input when operating a company. So the two hardest things about being an investor are A, getting into good deals, and then B, having these founders and having the management team actually listen to you because you know what you're talking about. Right. Um, so that was so, sort of the unique angle that we had. And then we had Hawk media as a springboard to essentially spray all the water and fertilizer on top of all of our investments. Since we work with so many brands and have just an incredible treasure trove of data on marketing and what works and what, what categories and how, you know, how performance marketing has been able to have been accomplished. So um, yeah, so obviously partner with a pretty big uh, brand um, and we were able to raise a lot of capital through the, through the folks in the Hawk media ecosystem and the Hawk media sphere from clients to uh, legal representation, to accountants, to all sorts of different people who know what we do and know how we do it. So um, yeah, it's been great. And then obviously Hawk media is working with all these brands. It's an incredible, it's an incredible deal flow engine for the venture capital firm as well. It's, so. it's a really, it's a really good pairing. I mean, it's, it, you've got a lot of, um, um, synchronicity there. I mean, it, it just makes sense because you can provide support to your investment, your investment companies, uh, that nobody else can. So if somebody's looking, you know, looking to raise, um, you got to talk to, you got to talk to Hawk because you guys can provide support that very yeah, few especially people. If, especially if you're, you know, what, what we've want our people to know our fund as is we are the marketing tech guys of the future. Um, we are focused on e-commerce. We're focused on technology that powers consumer. We're focused on the nuts and bolts that help big brands become household names. Right. And you do that by, month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, customer acquisition, customer retention, customer loyalty. And there's lots of different tools 
that can accomplish that. In fact, somebody published the MarTech ecosystem report. There was 8,000 companies in the marketing technology, the MarTech ecosystem. And there's all these different subcategories. And so it's quite a big place, right? Um, and so what we want to do is bring clarity to that. We want to be thought leaders and we want to be the go-to uh, fund when somebody has marketing tech that they're raising capital for. So so um, can you give me some color as to things that you guys invest in? I mean, what do you, what do you like? What can yeah, you share? So, so some of our first investments out of the fund, one was uh, essentially an SMS platform for e-commerce brands that use Shopify. Uh, that company's called Postscript. Um, anybody who has a Shopify account can enable Postscript um, and start sending text messages to their customers as opposed to email, which is a little bit cumbersome. And, you know, we all get millions of emails and don't open half of them or delete mm-hmm. half of them. So text messaging is a really f- fantastic channel for e-commerce brands to capture and retain value uh, in the customers that they're bringing to their website, right? Um, that's one of the fastest growing companies in our portfolio. Again, it's e-com tech. Um, we've been able as an agency to, to drive hundreds of clients to them. Um, so that's just a perfect example of a really great company performing super well. Um, and it fits squarely into our thesis. Um, another company we invested in is called Yaguara, and they are basically a business intelligence tool for e-commerce brands. Um, so what they do is they combine all the different disparate marketing sources and sales sources and, and put it all into one dashboard that you can actually manage your team and set goals for your team. So it's kind of a combination of a business intelligence tool meets a uh, OKR or like a objective key response platform. Um, it allows you to actually manage your team and know what goals you're driving towards while looking at the data that's most relevant to you. So we invested in that business uh, four times now. Um, and uh, they're doing incredibly well. We actually use them as an agency. So now when somebody comes to Hawk Media, you know, well, where's all my data live? Oh, well, it all lives in this business intelligence tool where you can <laughs> track it, where you can actually see nice. it. Where I don't have to build a report custom. It's just, there it is right here. So, oh, did we hit our goal? Yes, we did. Oh, we surpassed it. Oh, okay. Oh, if we didn't hit our goal, well, why was it? Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, read Let's let's reevaluate the goal for next month now that we have more data and let let's actually have a data conversation versus just a conversation about hunches and things that are way in the past. Um, another company we invested in is a company called The Sill. They do direct to consumer house plants. So um, you know you can b- get a really nice pot from them, a really beautiful plant delivered to your door, beautiful packaging, well done. Um, they're on their way to over a million Instagram followers, which I think it's going to happen in the next few months. It's very rare for a brand, a new brand, to be able to have over a million followers on Instagram, and they're they're well on their way towards that. Um, so, so hold on, so hold on before we go too far from that, because yeah, my first reaction was, you know, okay, plant of you know almost like plant of the month, and then it was like, um, of course that that oddly enough that works, you know, so so. How many users do they have right now? I mean, what is what does that look like? Well, they're they're a singular, you know, they, they have hundreds of thousands of customers that still has. Um, wow. they are they are the one of the biggest in the space, if not the biggest. Um, and they have people on subscriptions, they have gift people who are gifting plants to 
uh, either their customers or their clients or their friends and family. Uh, they have people that, you know, click on a beautiful Facebook ad, which, you know, Hawk Media is running the Facebook ads and the Instagram ads for the company. Um, you know, they, they have people who are clicking on ads for the business. Um, they also do a lot of interesting selling through affiliates, right? So like people.com is going to post an article about someone and then there's going to be a link on there that says, oh, like holiday gifting guide and plants and like all these different avenues. So they have all these different channels that they're using to acquire customers. Um, and they're just one of the best in the space. They have beautiful imagery. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice price point. Um, it's not cheap by any means, but it's, it's well, well taken care of delivered to your door. A lot of people are worried that their plant when it gets delivered is going to be trashed. Um, that's literally one of the number one things that people are worried about when they're looking at a plant online. So their yeah. job has been to be, how do we make sure that people trust that we're going to get it there? in a very, very uh, you know, nice fashion. So they've been doing super well. Their CEO, Eliza, is just fantastic. Um, they got a great board. Um, we're really lucky to be a part of that company. Yeah, that sounds, it's, I mean, it It sounds simple and that's, it, that's nice. I mean, people can get their arms around that when you say this is what we do. And, and then they can break it down really quickly into how many units and what are the margins and they go, yep, that works. How do you scale it? This is how you scale it. You know, it's a nice, nice, easy concept to get your arms around, especially when you're talking with investors. Um, it, it's just something I think that'll explain really well for you when you when you talk your book with people who've trusted you. Yeah, and when she started the business, there was so, no brand in houseplants, right? I mean, you think of like, you know, tissue mm -hmm. and it's Kleenex. I mean, these are tissues and Kleenex is mm -hmm. the brand in tissues so much so that when you say hey can you will you hand me a kleenex it doesn't matter it's a tissue right and so she identified really mm -hmm. early, hey we can go out there the sill and be the biggest brand in houseplants and people know like i i walk into somebody's house and i look around and i go oh that's a sill plant you know <laughs> i mean just <laughs> you know? and obviously i'm kind of on the inside but i mean they're building that brand which is which is difficult to do when you're building a consumer company it's it's absolutely the hardest part about it is building a brand around the product or service that you offer um before i was running a venture capital firm my brother and i and a couple of business partners had a direct to consumer custom suits business for men uh, it was called Snap. I remember this custom yeah. suits $250 delivered in 14 days fantastic value proposition everybody loved it but we had a hard time building a brand around snapsuits inside of the wedding industry because uh, the name didn't really have anything to do with weddings. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we thought about was, well, why don't we like make a, an, another site and call it the Wedding Suit Company? And all it is is just like wedding pictures and groomsmen photos and like all that kind of stuff. And we actually probably could have done a better job if we, from the very beginning, we said, we're only going to do weddings. We're only going to be the wedding suit company. Uh, we're going to do this better than anyone else. I think we would have done a better job building a brand in that, even though, you know, we kind of left all oh, the suit for the lawyer off the table, the suit for the graduation, you know, it was almost like we went too big, too fast. 
And what we should have mm -hmm. done is just tried to build a brand in one loyal consumer group. And then we could have launched Snapsuits later on with all of our supply chain and all of our prowess and everything that we have off of that brand. Hey, like you, you bought a suit from the wedding suit company. Do you want a, do you want a shirt or a tie or whatever from our partner, Snapsuits? Is um, it too late? Yeah. Is it too late to circle back around to that? Because um, I'm thinking I think my cousin's wedding, that's what he did. You know, we all got black suits. And we all use the black suits forever. Yeah, that's right. No, it's still a it's still a business I think about just being like, oh, how do I like four hour work week uh, the wedding suit company? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's still there. Like, there's still a brand that can be created here. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know, as a as an investor, you know, I'm still an entrepreneur at the end of the day. You know, I still mm -hmm. think about white spaces, and I still think about you know, how to get into things and how to do it well. And and I think that's the difference between a lot of early stage investors and a lot of later stage investors is there's that entrepreneurial spirit. There's that roll the sleeves up and build things. There's that, how do we innovate? How do we approach this differently? Um, when your company's doing 20, 30, $50 million a year in revenue, you're not very entrepreneurial at that point. You're, you're like, you're running a big, you're running a business, you know, mm -hmm. it's not a startup anymore. It's, you know, you're, 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 you're really counting margins. You're really count, you know, thinking about who's my next big hire executive, you know, all that stuff versus being scrappy and, Hey, we're just trying to hit hundred grand in, in sales this month. What do we got to do? You know? And that's yeah. the stage of the business that I love. Yeah. So, um, so how do you, can you, can you take a second? And I know we've spoken about um, angel and we've also spoken about VC. What, what's the defining difference? You know, what's, what's the difference in the tiers? So angel is usually someone's money, a wealthy person's money. And VC is I'm investing other people's money as well as my own. Right. But I'm doing it at an institutional scale versus just like as an angel investor, I can just put money into whatever I want to put money into. It's, it's less about having a strategy or having to report to other investors or to have accountants that put together audits and like all that kind of type of stuff. Um, angel investing is typically more entrepreneur uh, is typically more opportunistic and you don't have a, a schedule, which was with, which with you have to deploy capital. VC uh, firms, our job is to raise money and, and deploy it as quickly as possible, produce returns and then raise more capital. That is our job, you know? So angel investing is a little bit more of a hobby, a little more opportunistic, Sometimes a little bit less of a strategy and more of a just like, do I like this founder? Do I like this space? Um, VC is is typically there's a strategy, there's a there's a very narrow focus um, depending on the VC firm. Um, you know, there there are VC firms they only do software, they only do ad tech, they only do uh, space tech, right? So um, so it's a little bit different when you have. Mm -hmm. uh, an angel investment, which you can just like meet with someone and say, Oh, I, I really love this kid. You know, he's, he's 20 years old and he's raising capital for a music business. And my son really loves music. So, Hey, here's 30 grand. Uh, for okay. So, Hey, let's, let's get back. Um, next question I have for you, because you'll, you, you'll do some VC and you'll do some angel. Um, how do you, how do you, um, handle the people differently who are looking for capital? I mean, what, what's that conversation look like for people coming into you? 
Yeah. So, you know, typically we, at first we kind of talk about our thesis. Sometimes we'll talk to entrepreneurs say, Hey, really love what you're doing. would love to help. It's not, it's not in our thesis, but would love to make introductions for you or figure out how we can help you. Right. So that's just kind of like being a good, being a good person in the, in the ecosystem, um, you know, making sure that you're not only taking care of your portfolio companies, but just, you know, just in general, being a good steward of the entrepreneurial community. Right. Um, but when, if there is something that's in our thesis, we say, look, we typically are investing in companies that are doing 20 to hundred K in monthly revenue. Um, you're either too late for us or you're too early for us. So, um, you know, if a company's doing less than 20,000 in monthly revenue, they're probably just not quite far enough along for us, or they might not have enough data. So that one's pretty easy. Um, you know, if a company is in our sweet spot, you know, they, they match all of our, you know, sort of investment criteria. Um, after that, we do something called, uh, we do a rating system for every single company that we look at. It's called FISPACT. So FIS is okay. founder industry and scale. We weight that 60%. And then FACT is funnel, which is like your marketing funnel, your sales funnel. How are you, how are you creating sales? Um, if you're a brick and mortar, that funnel is probably pretty, pretty tiny. If you're a D to C e-commerce business, your funnel is probably pretty nice and slick and you can easily add stuff to cart and get emails and all that kind of stuff. Um, so fact, again, going back to the, the, the acronym, uh, funnel actionability, which is how Hawk as an ecosystem, how much they can help a company and then mm -hmm. customer and then timing and timing is the market timing, but it is also the timing as it relates to, is this investment too early or is this investment too late? So we rate these companies so that we have a quantitative scale with which to look at, um, you know, where, where does this fit in the companies that we're seeing? Oh, this one's a 5.1. Oh, this one's a 6.2. Oh, this one's a 2.1, you know? And so that way, you know, I can help train my associates. I can help train our venture scouts. I can train people in the ecosystem to kind of help us find deals. And I can look at them and kind of objectively have an opinion about what they say and what their score is, Right. Um, it's just a faster way to look at deals um, than just the founders really inspiring and the market's really big, you know, um, that's for me, just not quite enough. Right. Yeah. I think, I think as soon as you're a steward of someone else's capital, you lose the, um, you lose the ability to, to shoot from the gut. I mean, yep. I mean, you just do because now you're accountable. So when you approach, um, cause you're, you're kind of in the middle. I mean, you've got on one hand, you've got people coming to you saying, you know, please make my life, you know, give, you know, invest in us, make, make our future possible. And then on the other side of it, you're, you're reaching in and forming relationships with people that trust you. You know, what's, what's your reach look like? How, how does that, you know, how does that happen? And, and what's your approach? I mean, what do you, what are you doing to, you know, build trust with people that you want to trust you on the, on the allocation side? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the things that we've done is, and I haven't launched this yet, but I've been collecting names for a um, for a program that I do for family offices uh, and and the the children of family offices. I I just kind of have it named the Family Business uh, Venture Learning Course, um, where I can teach family offices how to basically have their kids think about angel investing and think about strategic angel investing for the family. Um, and so that's something that I put together. I do a venture one-on-one course that, you know, before COVID hit, um, I would go to a town, 
I'd, you know, get with my Michigan university of Michigan alumni group. I would get with other groups. I'd say, Hey, I'm coming to town to do a talk on venture capital. You know, whether you're an investor, entrepreneur or whoever, like would love to have you come out and, and learn about what BC is. So, um, you know, I try to build content and, and, and try to tell the story about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, then what it's like to flip to the other, other side of the table and become an investor, what that does to your brain, what that does to your, you know, your jadedness of the system. <laughs> um, you know, I try to build trust by, by, uh, by showing people what we're all about and, and to show people the journey as well. I think the journey is really important. Um, especially when you're raising capital for an investment or an investment entity, you got to show people the journey and why you're, you know, what makes you different and how you can create returns. Yeah. I think, I think you hit on something that nobody, unless you've been, unless you've been in the, you know, in the room building the relationships and, and taking on people's trust, um, the, unless you've been there, people don't realize that you have to, you have to slow down and you have to prepare your, your partners for the, you know, the emotional um, shift that happens inside their brain, their intuitiveness, the, the, you know, the, the attentiveness goes through the roof. Um, You, you just have to, you have to prepare people for, for their experience because they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to give you some money. It's going to go well. Um, Yeah. But you can get me by the shirt collar. It's not like you're buying a piece of paper from your, your Raymond James guy. I mean, you you can actually get me and ask me what's going on, and if you don't have people prepared, um, it just goes wonky. I yep. mean, it, it can it can go pretty it can go pretty sour. So, I mean, the building the relationship is so important. Yeah, um, especially you know, here. people people just don't even realize until you've been in that chair, yeah, <laughs> taking That's the phone right. call. Well, I also think that when you're yeah. in a specific industry yeah. like mine. Um, you have to also explain the industry, explain the partners, explain the why, you know, you're not just marketing your investment. You're also explaining what the industry looks like and why this makes sense. You have to be able to paint that picture. And, you know, if there's one thing I've learned about investors is like, they want to make money their way. They don't really want to make money your way. Um, it's either their way and your way, or it's my way and your way. (laughs) Mm-hmm. There's ways that you can make money. You know, I can I can deploy capital in all sorts of different ways, and it'll do well. Especially when you're a family office and you're sitting on cash. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways to make money. It, it's not about actually like getting that return. It's how you get that return. Is it interesting? Does it make sense to you? Is it something you want to pay attention to? You know, I mean, um, it it costs money for a family office to even like think about a $25,000 investment in a, in a, in a, in a startup mm-hmm. or in a fund or whatever. I mean, it costs some money just to open up the email and read it. Like, it's like, they're just wasting time, you know, cause it's too small of amount of money to deploy. You know, I talked to fund of funds and I talked to, you know, uh, family offices. They're like, yeah, you know, we do $10 million checks and above, you know, it just doesn't make sense for us to track anything less than that, you know? And, and at first I never understood it because, you know, the entrepreneur in me was like, what? And then when you're on the money management side, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. This 50 K check that I put in has turned out to be way more work than the 250 K check that I put in. That's just crushing it right now. You know, you know, uh, (laughs) it's funny. I had, I, my first, you know, when I plugged into the family office world, I was there for maybe two months. 
and the patriarch yelled at me one day. I never want to see another effing piece of paper with money on it. And and it was the most shocking thing you've ever heard. But then, but it wasn't that he didn't want you. You know, he wanted all of the other pieces of paper to be bigger. He just didn't want yet another piece of paper to track. Right. And and people that that was the most that was the most eye opening thing for me when I plugged in too. It's like, oh wow, scale, size. You know, we can't do this. So you plug in, um, you plug in and you're looking for things of size. You've got to, you know, do it their way. And then, um, you know, what's the rest of the process look like after you, after you've, you know, done the bonding, how else does it play through? I mean, what, what is the, yeah, so, I mean, basically we do a score, we meet the founder, you know, we do some diligence on their sales and marketing. We do some diligence on their co-founders, um, you know, try to wrap our heads around, what the business is and how it's performing. And then, um, you know, we put together, uh, we put together like an internal diligence file. We make sort of our own custom little diligence deck that talks about, you know, all the deal highlights, why we think it's interesting, uh, what our strategic benefit is to investing. Um, you know, we do some research and then we also do some exit analysis. What are some comps, for interesting companies that are in this space, whether tangential or not, how many other people have returned capital in this realm, right? If Mm -hmm. we put money at X and we get it out at Y, what's our target, right? So we put those things together so that we, so that our, you know, our investors as well as just us as a GP, we just have a good idea of what we think this business can become. And so the idea is to track those things over time and see if we were right or wrong you know, do a postmortem at the end of every year and say, Hey, what do we do? Well, what, you know, what's going better than we thought? What, what, what corners do we not see around? Um, but it's good to track over time. So, um, we do all that. We typically call talk to another investor that's already in the deal just as a kind of a checking point. We do customer testimonials. So we'll either blind pick customers or we'll, um, or we'll call on a, a software business, you know, one of the c- companies that's buying the software services, uh, talk to them, get their testimonial. Um, a lot of times the main question that I ask in the customer testimonial is what's keeping you from spending more money with this vendor? Like if this bill was double, what would, what would they have to do in order for this bill for you to be double? And then they tell you five things and then you go back to the, you go back to the entrepreneur and you say, is this on your roadmap? And then they go, no. And you're like, how do you know? Have you ever asked your customers like what they would spend more money on if you had it? <laughs> um, so it's a really great exercise. You know, I get closer to the business. I get more product infl- uh, insights, um, you know, all that stuff. So we do that. Um, you know, we typically do some reconciling of the P&L and the balance sheet. It's always, I, you know, even if there's another lead investor in the round, which we don't, you know, we don't lead deals. We only co-invest with other investors. You know, you'd be surprised how many people wire money and they didn't like just look to see if the P&L and the balance sheet are matching up, you know, <laughs> like yeah. these little anti-money laundering things. Right. Or just like making sure that these guys are doing what they're saying. that guys or gals are doing what they say they're going to be doing, you know. Hey, what was your sales forecast last year and where did you come in at? Why were you why were you under, you know, why were you under? What was, you know, are you an, are you a founder who makes a sales projection and then when it doesn't happen, you just explain it away, you know? Like what 
how do you run your business? You know, so you learn a lot in that phase. And then, you know, they typically talk to my other partners. We have another meeting and then we close the deal. So, um, you know, it, it can take anywhere from three to 10 weeks to, for us to diligence the company. Okay. And then um, how do you, I guess, how do you keep people away from you that you don't want? And how do you filter people out? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I always tell, if we get an email, I'll say, hey, you know, happy to look at an investment deck, you know, send it over to us. And um, we take a look and we'll say, hey, you know, it's a pass for us. Uh, not, you know, not quite a fit, but thanks a lot. That kind of thing. You know, that's just part of the business. Um, so it's not necessarily like, you know, for us, it's like the more the merrier. Like we love the deal flow. Um, we're happy to look at more deals. Um, it doesn't take very long to look at a deal and go, mm, this isn't quite for us or, ooh, this is interesting. Let's spend some more time. So that's kind of part of the role of, of an investor is that you get there's not a lot of gates at this point. People, people come at me from all, every angle. I get DMS on Instagram. Do you, I, I get DMS on WhatsApp. I get, I get LinkedIn friend requests that have a pitch deck inside of the LinkedIn friend request. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, you know? So it's just part of the game. Do you, um, do you, yeah. Do you wait any any approaches heavier than others? I mean, are you fine with just being, you know, hit with deals randomly with no foreknowledge of who the people are? Or do you want to build a relationship or, you know, how does all that wrap together? Yeah, I mean, it just, it really depends. I mean, obviously, if we get an introduction from another VC, that's typically like the highest quality. If we get an introduction from another founder that we've invested in, that's also considered like the highest quality. Um Otherwise, we're getting, you know, we get introductions from other angel investors, people in our network. We get, you know, emails from clients. Um, it comes from all over the place. Um, the relationship building piece, um, you know, that, that's definitely part of it. Um, but uh, really, it's, it's about, you know, we get into the relationship building piece once we're, once we're further along in the diligence process. Okay. So once, once you, you'll, you'll scrub, you'll scrub off of a, you know, a cold intro uh, slide deck. If it hits your metrics, you'll say, let's jump on a call. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I'll look at a, okay. lot, of, a lot of times it's super unsolicited. So you don't even respond because, you know, it's just, yeah, there's no point in saying, you know, uh, uh, not, not responding is the same as, as saying, Hey, it's a pass, you know? Um, yeah, I think so. Especially when it comes in that cold. I mean, are you really obligated to touch back yeah. to everybody who sends you in something that's just no. straight? No. Yeah. No, you're really not. And, you know, the truth is, is that there are some people who like follow up really ardently and really thoughtfully and they have more data every time. And by the third time they email you, they're like, you're like, you know what? I really appreciate this person's approach. Like, I'm definitely going to respond now or jump on a call or whatever. Like sometimes the relationship building can be in between unanswered emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. It's like you, you just keep pounding someone, you know, and you bring value each time. And that's the, from what I found, it's the trick is you, you approach with something new and a value each time. And then after like time number seven, they're like, okay, we're traveling life together. I've got to talk to this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's it. And 
I think I think one of the things that I've seen is, you know, a lot of times, you know, trying to access someone like you, um, you're busy. I mean, you're you're just busy. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that maybe you you've scrubbed me off. Um, maybe, maybe you just, you're traveling and you've got, you know, 12 things to get done before you, before you land next Tuesday. And, you know, you'd love to get back with me, but you're just, you're just damn busy. Yeah. And, and, you know, so you just, you just stay on people. And eventually, eventually if you keep pushing new content and new, new quality and an improvement in quality, you know, they'll. They'll they'll work you in eventually. They'll be like, okay, this guy's got staying power. Yeah. And um, so, what do you? So going forward, what do you? You know, what's on your wish list? I mean, who do you want? You know, where do you want Hawk to go? And you know, what are you looking at? What what's yeah. what's hopeful to you? Well, we have we have our investments today and our fund today, and those are all going really well, and we're really excited about it. Um, we just we had one exit recently, which was fantastic for us. Um, really excited about it. Um, we're hoping to have another exit sometime next year. And if that exit ends up being as big as we hope, um, then we're going to go and raise a second fund. So um, you know we're excited about the prospects of having a larger fund, about leading deals, about having um, a bigger team to to really really super serve this ecosystem and our investments. Um, you know, our first fund is this proof of concept that's that's going extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. so again, we want to be the Martech fund of the future. I mean, that's what our what we really want to focus on. And so, I'd like to bring on a partner that will just focus on consumer alone, and that won't be that much many deals, but the ones that they do will be big and awesome and and impactful and require a lot of work. But we won't do that many of them. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm you know I'm going to focus myself and my team on the Martech investments, the software investments, the media investments. Um, the stuff that moves the needle for our uh, consumer type uh, customers that want to grow at scale. So, um, you know, we, we really want to be, we really want to be the fund that if you're starting a MarTech company, have a MarTech company that's attacking SMB um, and can scale up to the enterprise side. Um, eventually um, we, we want people to come to us first. Um, and I think um, the, the thing that I tell a lot of founders when they don't have enough traction um, is I, I, you know, I've been an entrepreneur myself. I've bootstrapped businesses. I've raised capital for businesses. You know, you got to get over the hump that re- that little revenue hump. You got to get to that 20 K in sales hump, or maybe it's 10 K or maybe it's 5 K depends on the business, but you got to get to sales. And then once you get to sales and you've proven that there are people who want this, then you should really start having casting a wider net of investor conversations. Um, you know, there's friends and family money, there's accelerators, there's tons of great investors out there that are investing in women and pre-seed businesses and diversity. You know, there's money out there, but I always tell entrepreneurs like it's on you team to produce traction. And no one really wants to invest in a company that doesn't have traction. It's just a big idea. I mean, people just don't really do that anymore. Your job is to produce traction so that you can say, hey, here's the viability of this business. Um, this is worth investing in. So a lot of companies are either too early or too late, and that's fine. Like We're, we're used to that. Um, but when the companies are in that sweet spot, it's really interesting for us. Cool. Cool. So, um, is there anything, I think, I think we covered a lot. Is there, um, 
know, anything else that you really want to get out that may haunt you forever because this is going into the internet or we, you <laughs> No, I mean, I think, I think we've, we've covered a lot of bases. I mean, um, you know, I think, uh, if there's anybody out there who wants to get into venture capital, I always tell them, you know, go beg someone to let you work for free for them. And so that you can look at deals because you're not going to look at deals unless you're on the inside, right? Like yeah. no one's just like going to share the inner workings of, of all of this stuff without, uh, without being able to be on the inside. So I always tell people like beg people to beg, you know, beg someone to let you come on their team to work for free, prove your value, say, Hey, if I get good enough, will you pay me? And then they say, maybe, and then you do a really good job and you learn along the way and you make their lives easier and whatever. And then you end up getting paid, you know, um, or maybe not, but at least you have six months of experience doing investments. And so now you can go get a job and get paid somewhere else. Right. So do you, do you have a place where someone who can, someone can come beg you to work for free? Where are they going to find you? <laughs> I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. My email is out there. I'm happy to, you know, anybody can message me on LinkedIn and, and, and connect with me. Um, but you know, I, I always tell people like getting into VC is really hard. There's no like straight line, straight path into VC, unless your parents are a VC, in which case you probably don't want to even do what they do. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, go try to work for somebody and learn, um, and say, look, you're going to teach me a lot. I'm going to do take a lot off your plate. It's going to be a yin yang relationship. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the venture capital industry is, is very strong right now, even throughout COVID because we're so tech based. Um, and you know, we're still seeing returns in the industry. Family offices are making money. Institutions are making money. It's one of the, it's one of the most like well-performing asset classes that hasn't been super tainted by the, uh, by the COVID, uh, pandemic. Um, obviously public markets are, are up and down every day. Um, but we're, you know, we're doing well in the public markets as a whole. Um, but venture capital is, uh, is innovation and it's the future. And, you know, the pandemic has forced the future on us in a way that um, it, it's accelerated uh, innovation so fast because people have just had to adapt. And so, um, you know, that's where venture capital really accelerates is in, is in those innovation gaps. So um, the industry as a whole is is doing well, and I, I hope to continue see growth uh, post you know post vaccine post COVID. Um, you know I think we're just getting smarter and better. So yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I think it's um, I think it's the right area to be in because you like you said the uh, you know the growth was forced on us. Um, I think I think that's probably uh, just beginning because it's not only the initial response; it's the the culture change to now tear everything apart to try and improve um, or because the, we've just had to. I mean, everything that was weak has gotten thrown out. Um, you know, I think, I think when this stuff started, you know, there, there were a lot of us who, who you know, thought it was, you know, a travesty to have some of these legacy businesses shut down. And it's horrid for the people who work there and the families but if you've got a philosophy degree and you're serving salad, you know, maybe, maybe society can find a better way to, to move forward. Yep. You know, and, and we, we just rip the bandaid off on everyone. And I think, um, I think there's now a, a really, a really big future in looking to the future. So I'm, 
I'm grateful you're here. Uh, I'm grateful because I think as we started, I think you are probably the most prescient VC guy out there. Um, I'm looking forward to watching your career continue as um, the rest of the world does figure this out. And I think it's going to be a great ride and I appreciate your time. Um, cool. I'm glad you're here. Thank, thanks for making it in, Drew. Anytime. And, thanks so yep. much, man. Yep, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails. Till we meet.